Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Good morning, everybody. Why don't we grab our Bibles today and open today the book of 1 Samuel. The book of 1 Samuel. And uh, just a reminder and clarity, we have one service on Sunday. That starts at 10 a.m. And with a 15-minute break uh, in between the teaching and the worship family worship service. And so uh, I do realize in a, in a church um, that, that we can assume the culture. And it's not two services in the morning. It's one service. Can you say amen? It starts with first word at 10 a.m., uh, 15-minute break, and then we gather in here as a family worship service. What would have been a typical Sunday night, we do at 11 o'clock. And, um, and so don't slip out or choose one or the other. I don't think that's what God wants us to do as a body, as members. Can you say amen? amen. Members that are a part of this, um, you know, guests can do what they want to, but I think the church ought to be loyal and committed uh, on this together. Opening up your evenings has been a blessing, I think, to so many. Is that right? How many feel rested? And uh, we, that was the goal. And uh, uh, I'm doing six weeks of teaching. I'm going to continue this teaching uh, into uh, the next, this week and two more weeks about family. But I'm going to start talking to you some about home groups and, and home Bible study and reaching your world. I think the establishment of the home is so key. But we can't reach 80,000 people in this area by having church just on Sundays and Wednesdays. You've got to learn to reach the people that are in your world. And I believe God's called the saints as disciples to do that. Can you say amen? amen. But you've got to have functionality and, and organization and being intentional and prayerful uh, for that to happen. Before we get into the word today, I want you to lay your Bibles down, lift your hands and say, God, I want my heart to be open to the teaching of the word of the Lord. Would you do it? Lord Jesus, we love you. We worship you. Hallelujah. God, I am so thankful for what you're doing. Oh, what I have felt in these services, God. We worship you in Jesus' name we pray. We magnify you for who you are. Let our hearts be open to the teaching of the word of the Lord. Somebody say in Jesus' name. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 3, and I do realize I have been redundant. I've repeated stories, but uh, you have to also remember that we have a lot of new people that are coming that have never heard some of these things. And uh, the easiest thing was, oh, I've heard pastors say that before. You're going to hear me say it again probably. And, uh, but I, I want you to, I want this, this story about Samuel. Samuel is certainly one of the most flawless people uh, of Scripture. There's not very many flawless characters. How many know that? Uh, most characters of the Bible make us feel normal. That's right. David being one of them. Uh, Jesus was perfect in all of his ways. Joseph was a flawless character. Samuel was pretty much one of those. And how did he become great in such a terrible environment is what I'm teaching. He had a mother. Uh, he had a faithful father. And that produced greatness. Let's, let's look what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 3 because there's a product of parenting. Do you believe that? There's a goal of parenting. It says, now Samuel uh, chapter 3 verse 7 now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Everybody say, he didn't know the Lord. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. He is ministering with a, uh, a garment 
uh, he's got the priest garment on. We can see that in chapter 2. But yet he didn't know the Lord. He didn't know the Lord, but he was ministering unto the Lord um, and before the Lord. Um, how does he operate it in a priest garment, uh, but yet he didn't know the Lord? What was he doing? And um, the end of the chapter, verse 19 says, look at this. And Samuel grew. That is the theme of chapter 2 and chapter 3. Everybody say, Samuel grew. And the Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan, even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Um, there's something that um, I, I want to talk about this today, about simply, I call it my man. Everybody say my man. Clap your hands and praise him for his word. Would you do that, Lord? We thank you. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We magnify you today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. I, I do want to say that we have service starts at 10 a.m. And, and with 15-minute break, we go to family worship service, as I'm saying. And we're developing a new culture at the church. And um, I know attendance has been down this week, last week, certainly do because there's been a lot of sickness. But if you're bringing your guests, it would probably be more welcoming to them if they would come at 11 a.m., especially the first time. And the reason is uh, because from 10 a.m. to 12, uh, 15 or so is a long time for a first-time guest. What you can do is say, tell your guest, hey, meet me at 11 a.m. Amen? All right, uh, let's get into the teaching of the word of the Lord. So um, uh, I'm not going to do a lot of reiterating today because I've, I've done that three weeks in a row. But what you'll find is Samuel is at the house of God. He is the last picture of his mother when she dropped him off. The Bible says he was loaned unto the Lord. She loaned him to the Lord all the days of his life. And uh, he is ministering at a young age, the Bible calls him a child. One interpretation calls him a boy. And he is here as a boy in the house of the Lord. And he is worshiping God in the same ma manner as his mother. How many remember that? He's worshiping the Lord the way his mother worshiped the Lord. How he saw her worship is how he began to worship. And, um, and so she leaves, she goes back to Ramah, which was their home, their city, where they lived was in Ramah. When they get in Ramah, uh, that is uh, where Akani is, that's where Samuel was uh, born, was in Ramah. They go to Ramah and Samuel is in Shiloh. Everybody say Shiloh. He's here for an entire year without his mother. What is around him is you have the high priest named Eli. You also have Eli's sons that are Hophni and Phinehas. Both of them are sinful. Both of them are wicked. The Bible says their sin was great before the Lord. It tells us in Second or 1 Samuel, excuse me, and uh, chapter 2, verse 17, it says, Wherefore the sin of the young men was very great. Not just bad or great, but very great before the Lord. And verse 18 says what? But, are y'all with me back there? But Samuel, the sin of the two young men was great, but Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child, and one interpretation is boy, girded with a linen ephod. He had a priest's garment on, 
even as a child. They plugged him in, even though he was young, he was still growing age, they plugged him into the kingdom and he, he, was, he was doing what he was supposed to do. He didn't know the Lord, he was just being obedient to what he was asked to do. And I wanna say this, that when you have a child in your house, and I'm talking about parenting, this is the fourth week, but, but your children don't know the Lord, typically at a young age. Their response to church is just going because you go. Their view of the church is your view of the church. Their view of God is your view of God. Their, your, their element of faithfulness is based upon your element of faithfulness. How you see God is how they see God. It's true. Samuel didn't know the Lord. That's very clear in the next chapter. He didn't know the Lord. He didn't know the word of the Lord. He didn't know the presence of God. God had not revealed himself to him yet, but he wore a linen ephod. You know what his job at the church was? He would open the door for people to come in to be ministered to. He would open the doors in the morning, whatever time that was. He would unlock the doors of the kingdom for people to come in. He would stand there in his linen ephod and he did it confidently. But the Bible says he did it unto the Lord. Everybody say unto God. At a young age, this cannot be about the pastor. This cannot be about just church obligation. There's gotta be something in you say, oh, it's, it's, it's gonna be Sunday tomorrow. We get to go to the house of the Lord. Everybody say that. We get to go to the house of the Lord. Sawyer preached recently to the youth and he was talking about the danger of bare minimums and God had given him a word. It moved my soul when he told me I could feel the Holy Ghost. But he said, we don't do this because we have to. We do this because we get to. This is not an obligation. This is a privilege. Praise God. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen. That's what the psalmist wrote. Oh, I get to go. I want to be there. And I commit to you today that the atmosphere of the church should be conducive to where young people want to go, where children want to go, and even the elders want to go. Elderly, can I say to the elderly in the building, this cannot be so strict and so, 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 um, uh, so methodical in so many ways that, that young people can't have fun. My, my picture of this, and every now and then we gotta say, you shouldn't run into the church, you know, be careful how you're going through the foyer. Boys, put the, put the basketballs up in the, in the back of the church. You know, you know there, there's, there's gotta be rules, there's gotta be guidelines. There can't be an atmosphere where children can't be children at the house of God. The Bible says in Zechariah 8, when he saw the kingdom, he said, I look out and I look down at Jerusalem and this is what I see. He was talking about restoring Jerusalem to what he wanted it to be. It had lost its beauty. It, 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 the Bible said it had become a fading flower. It was no longer beautiful. But he said, when I restore Jerusalem, this is what I see. He said, I see ancient men. I see old people. Now, I'll let you label who that is in the building. And uh, I don't see any here today, by the way. I'm, they must have stayed home. There's no ancient people here in the building. Um, but what I would say to you today is this. He said, and I, see, I see boys and girls playing in the streets. He said, when I look at Jerusalem, I see a place where children are happy. I see a place where old men and old ladies want to be there. Can I tell you, the church place should be a place where we all look forward to coming. Sunday starts at 10 a.m., that's, that's first word, but the reality is we got coffee open because most normal people like coffee. 
All the rest of you need to be sanctified and converted today. Can I get a witness from the coffee drinkers in the building? Yeah, there's, there's a few. You're outnumbered if you don't agree. But there's coffee here for fellowship. There ought to be something that we want to be with the people of God. But I'm gonna tell you this today, brother and sister Bersati, so glad you're both here. Would you welcome them today? We'll honor them in the 11 a.m. But I wanna say to you today, that was not the atmosphere that Samuel came to. Uh, He's there because the prophet heard a desperate woman praying for a child. And uh, uh, the, the priest saw this woman lose her voice, I believe. She was so desperate to have a baby and, and uh, she made a vow and God gave her this child, Samuel. And he had given her a word, you're gonna have a, God said you're gonna have, you're, you're gonna have a baby. And uh, she shows back with the baby that she's made a vow to God. She said, now he's a young man. She said, here he is. I, I made a covenant, I loan him to you. And, and, but he remembers, Eli remembers who she is. I personally believe it's the only person he had seen with passion in, in maybe decades of his ministry as a high priest. Israel had lost their passion. Israel had, had lost. Sin was in the church. Sin was in the ministry. Sin was in the priesthood. And they, they're doing these sinful things at the door of the temple. People didn't even want to come. The altars were polluted. They didn't even want to offer their sacrifices. People were stealing away from the sacrifices. It wasn't a, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a holy, fun, righteous atmosphere. Samuel, excuse me, Eli knew about it. It was a, a place that was no longer what it used to be. And when he looks at this woman, he, he knows that God had given her this baby and he gave him room to come there and live and to be inside of the house of God. What I'm saying to you is Samuel now as a young man is in an atmosphere that is not conducive to righteousness. It's impurity, it's hypocrisy, it's carnality, and where is it? It's in the tabernacle. It's in the ministry. It is trickled down to chapter three, verse one. Oh, I'm gonna preach to you on this Sunday morning. Oh, I feel such a witness of the spirit. But first Samuel chapter three says, look, what it, look how it starts, chapter three, verse one. Oh, I feel an old fashioned repentance here today. This is what I feel. I believe God's gonna let there be a great awakening in this country. But you know where every awakening first happened? It always happens with church people first. And once it comes to the church people, sinners start repenting all over the land. I tell you in the Holy Ghost, there's gonna come a great awakening to the body of Christ. We're gonna get, we're gonna get firsthand of what he's gonna do. We get the first fruits of what he's gonna do. And something powerful is gonna happen in our communities. If you believe it, say amen. The Bible says, and... Watch this, Hop nine Phineas are sinful. They are, they are committing such terrible sins. But look how chapter three starts. And the child Samuel. He's just a young man, but he's the answer. He's, he's not full grown yet, but he's of God. He, he's not the adult, but he doesn't have the full responsibilities, but he's doing what he's been asked to do. Everybody say, and the child. The world is in a chaotic mess, but there's a child. There's a generation of immorality. Culture is terrible, but there's a child. 
Can I preach to you on a Sunday morning? There's some young people in this building that want it. There's young people in this building that desire it. Come on, there's some elders in this, in this place right now that want to be right with God. Come on, is there anybody that says in a world of chaos, I'll be holy. I'll do what God wants me to do. Watch what it says. It says, and the child Samuel ministered at the church. Ministered in the building. No, no, no. The child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. He did it unto the Lord. What was my text? Not knowing the Lord. His mother had such a relationship with God. So faithful and consistent that what happens? He wants to please the God of his parents. He loved her relationship with God so much that though he did not know the Lord, he wanted to please the Lord of his mother. That, you know, when the Bible says you're the salt and light, now the deer hunters in the building understand that when you, when you put a salt lick out, the deer come to the salt. Once you put a salt lick out, it makes them thirsty. You want to fatten up a cow, put a salt lick out because it'll lick the salt and it'll drink more water and its weight will be better. That's a, a trick in the, in the livestock community. But, but salt makes you thirsty. Her life was so salty that he wanted to drink from the well she was drinking from. Your life ought to be so salty that people that are around you get thirsty for what you drink of. Amen. Not begrudgingly. Not, oh, we have to go to church. That's not salt. That's salt that's lost its savor and it's no good. You've got to get, look at your neighbor and say, you need to be a little salty. Amen. I don't know what that means in Ohio. I feel like there's two meanings of that. But uh, you know what I mean. We're going to make you thirsty. And, and uh, everybody say, get thirsty. And the child Samuel ministered to the Lord before Lee. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. You know what that means? It was rare. It was rare. The word of the Lord, the prophet speaking. There was none. It, it was confined. It. A word from the Lord. A, a word from the Lord. The, 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 the day was terrible that it couldn't get a word. I'm going to tell you what true judgment is when God shuts the mouth of the prophet. If a prophet comes to you, a man of God comes to you and says, the Lord said, told me to tell you, you better be thankful. I don't care how hard it is, rough it is, or said, the Lord's going to judge you. God's going about to do this. That is a word from the Lord, and it should be honored, respected, and appreciated. I'm going to tell you what happens, though, is when you sin and nobody can get a word for you. That's true judgment, is when you can't get a word from God. When you make a mistake and you just go on, I have had the Lord in my years to stop speaking to me about people. Just can't get a word. I go to prayer. I can't find it. And it scares me. I, I want, I, I, I've seen it. God, give me a word. I need a word for him. I can't find it anymore. Because true judgment is when God shuts the mouth of the preacher in your life. How can you hear without a preacher? How can he preach except to be sent? I'm going to tell you, you just don't turn the TV on and have somebody. The Bible says, know them that labor among you. And I'm going to tell you what we need. We need a word from the Lord. And in Samuel's day, he, there, there was no word. Where's the prophet sat now? There was the prophet that came to Eli and said, you better get, get your sons right. That's what he'd say. You better get your sons. Thank God for that. But it was precious. There wasn't a, a constant flow of a word. There, there, who, who do you trust? And there, there was God. God had moved because of the rampantness of the sin in the house of God. The, the, the word, everybody say there was no word. 
Look what it says in the next. It says, there was no open vision. There's no vision. Now, now there's no vision. Uh, the next one's scary. Verse 3, it says, that ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. Now, it, 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 remember the story is written in contrast? Everybody say, and Samuel. It's going to mention something bad, then it's going to talk about Samuel. This is bad, but Samuel. Samuel's the answer. Everybody say, Samuel's the answer. He's going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He's going to flourish when everything around him is bad. Are y'all with me today? And uh, everybody say, there's, the word is precious. Everybody say, it's rare. There's no vision. And the lamp of God went out. There's no illumination. That means the candlesticks in the holy place. The candlesticks in the holy place would have went out. If you go in the, in the tabernacle, can I just take a moment to teach you? You go through the east gate and the outer court, there was the altar. Whew. No altar, no light. The, the, the light inside the tabernacle was lit by the fire that was on the altar. But they had polluted the altars with hypocrisy and carnality and selfishness. They had bypassed the altars. And the, the, the fire of God would come onto the altar and start the fire. And it was the law of the priest. Um, it was the law of the priest that they were to keep the fire going continually. It was to never go out. You had to keep logs on the fire. You had to keep, I mean, the ministry had to be continual. There, they, there was these, when you go in, there was an altar. There was a laver. Laver looked like a bird bath made of glass. You could look at it and see your reflection. Wash your hands. Go back and commit the sacrifice. Take the hot coals. They would take it into the tent, which was a tabernacle. There was a golden, golden, seven-tiered, golden-tiered candlestick. And they would take the fire and they would light the candlesticks and had a bowl on it. And out of the bowl came this oil. Everybody say the Spirit of God. That's what it represented. The oil came in. When you get an altar that's on fire and the Spirit, you're going to have illumination. I wouldn't go to a church that's dead. No illumination, no, no, no visibility, no, no passion, no purpose, no sacrifice, no altar. You, you get it. If you preach non-commitment, you'll have people that will not commit. But if you preach commitment, the people that will stay will be the people that are committed. You've got to have an altar in the church. You've got to have an altar in your life. Let me say to every mama, let me say to every daddy, you've got to have commitment. There's got to be expectation from you. You've got to preach commitments in your life so your children will have commitment. Somebody say amen. And so they, they would light the golden candlesticks. It would illuminate the room. There was the altar of incense. Am I going too fast? There was the altar of incense in the middle. And uh, that's where they put coals from the altar. They would pour oil, anointing oil in it, and it would sizzle. It, it would, and y'all you know how it sizzled. Can you hear the crackling of the oil? Uh, how many's ever heard oil popping in a pan? Bacon grease. I'm hungry. Bacon grease. But when you pour that oil in there, it starts sizzling, and the, the room will Feel with this an aroma. It's called worship. On this side was a table, shoe bread, 12 loaves, uh, but 12 loaves of bread, sweet in the middle, frankincense sprinkled on the outside. It was bitter at first, but if you keep on chewing it, turns sweet. Sounds like a good message. It's bitter to your flesh. I mean, oh, I can't believe he said that. Just keep chewing. It'll, it'll become strength to you. It'll turn sweet. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you need, you need some correction. That's what it's representing. The word of God leads us and corrects us. But guess what? There's no light to eat. There's no light to worship. If you lose your light, you'll say, I don't even know why we're here. Why I even come here today. 
You step beyond the veil where the ark was. There was no Shekinah glory of God. It was dark. You can't see the ark of the covenant. You can't see the golden bowl of manna. You can't see the provision. You can't, you can't see the angels. It's dark. It's black. And now you're living in a place that you can't even see the presence or the goodness of God. And what happened is, it was a time when the word of God was precious. It was a place where there was no open vision. There's no future. And it was a place there's no illumination. What does that mean? You can't even see the good things of God. I don't even know why we go to church. I, I don't even know why we pray. I, I, don't, I don't even know. Let's, let's just stay home today. Can I preach to you? That's a dangerous place to be. And that's where Samuel, I want you to be Samuel. Stand up, Samuel. That's where Samuel is. He Samuel is, uh, 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 come here, bring, bring your coat over here, priesthood. This might have been what it looked like. Put that, put that over him. Put, sleep, put it, arms in it. He's just a boy. He's wearing a man's garment. Boy, they probably mocked him. Look at you. Didn't fit him real good, but every year though, his mother would come and remind him she had a coat on that fit him perfect. She knew she would know he's growing and she would tailor that for him. And every year he had a new coat by his mom because there was something that was back in him, though it seemed it was absent from him. It was his faithfulness of his mother. And he would put on the linen ephod, the priest's garment that was made for men, but he was just a boy, but every year his mother would come and say, look, it would fit him perfect, the, the other garment that she would have, a, a, a new garment, something he could wear outside with when it was cold and raining, and he could put that, and it was reminding him of his mother. And what happened is when it came down to it, that there was the word of the Lord was precious, when the word of the Lord, uh, when the, there was no open vision, and uh, uh, when there was no illumination, something about the coat um, uh, Sawyer, you might fit him a little better. Come here, bring, bring your coat over here. It was, it was, it was tailored, tailored for him. Put that, put that on. It, it fit him better, the one made by his mother. That's the one he worshipped in and served in. But the one his mom got him, fit him, fit him perfect. And it was a reminder to him, I'm here because of my mother. Can I say to everyone, you young people, most of you that came in, you're, you're here because of the bride. You're here because somebody prayed for you, lived an example. Somewhere you're going to have to have an example to get right with God. Who's your example as an adult in the building? Who's your example? Who are you looking up to? There's, there's something that it was reminded of him. And when he would put that coat on, he would go back to seeing her worship and saying, Samuel, you're something special. God gave you. You weren't even supposed to be born, but God gave you to me. And it was a reminder every time he put that on that I have a faithful mother. And because my parents are faithful, I'm going to get through this tough time. And he remained faithful because his parents remained faithful. Let there be an Amen. Could I say life has ups and downs, but what's going to get your children through it is when you become stable Mabel. My grandma's name was Mabel. You become stable Mabel, and when the economy goes up and down, and life goes up and down, and situations go, you just say, oh, we're going to, well, I can't wait to get to the house of the Lord. You know what David said? He said, this is how I felt when I see the prosperity of the wicked. He said, but when I come into the sanctuary, it puts me back where I need to be, and I realize that's, I, when I consider their end, 
When I consider that's the only heaven they're going to get. But one of these days where the roll is called up yonder, I'm going to be there. Oh, clap your hands and praise him. Let me, let me show you a verse in Psalms 29. Look at Psalms, excuse me, Proverbs 29 and 18. Everybody say no open vision. Um, you, you, can just, you, can, you can sit down. Keep the coat on though. You're growing while you're sitting. Right now, I cannot see you grow, but you're growing while you're sitting there. Do you realize that? You're growing. No one in this building is watching you grow. But if they come back in a year, you're going to look different next year than you look this year. That's what the Bible is talking about Samuel. He kept growing. And what the mother could see in the new coat well, she knew every year she'd come back, he's going to be bigger this year and better this year than he was last year. That's why she'd bring him a new coat, because he's growing in the midst of adversity. She didn't show up with a coat the same size of the boy last year. There was vision in her. Look what Psalms, 20, uh, Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Let me just word it this way. If you don't see their future, what are they going to see? What do you see in the future of your children in this parenting series? What do you see them being when they're one years old? What do you see them being at 25? You can't parent just to feed. You can't parent just to let them sleep. You can't parent just to have them to exist. You've got to take the child and look to the future. They're not always going to be a baby. One of these days, that boy baby is going to be a man. What's that man going to look like? What's that man? How's that man going to conduct himself? What's the conduct? And I think what was in her was this. Oh God, let him love you like I love you. That's why we do baby dedications. We put them on the altar at, at, at one and two and maybe even three years old. But we're not laying them on the altar because they're going to stay that big forever. Oh no, they need a new coat. When they're that little, they need a new coat every month and a half. But they start growing. They need a new coat every year. But you've got to see. Look what it says. Where there is no vision, the people what? But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Go back to verse, um, go back to verse 15. It says, the rod and reproof give wisdom. But a child left himself bringeth his mother to shame. You can't leave a child. You can't, you can't leave them there. They can't raise themselves. You can't look at that child and leave themselves and they make, well, I trust my kids. Don't. They're kids. If you leave them to themselves, they're going to take the easiest route, make wrong friends, eat wrong food. Their teeth are going to rot out because they're going to take the easiest path. The mother has to be present to say, we don't act that way. Your room shouldn't look like that. You don't leave your food out on the table when you're done eating. You, you know what I mean? You've got to have, thank God for moms. You're not wearing that outfit. Your shirt's too tight. The, shirt, the skirt's too short. Are y'all with me? You don't reveal yourself like that. We don't conduct, you're not going out in public with your hair looking like that. No, you're better than that. Not shame when you, I talked two weeks ago, you, you, you begin to reveal what, why are you doing? Why, why are you correcting them? To give them wisdom. If you don't give them wisdom, the world's going to give them their wisdom. They will find a mentor, and it should be mama. 
it should be daddy. Can you say amen? So a child left to himself bring his mother to shame. So when it says there's no vision, the people perish, what's it talking about? This is all in the same context. Look at verse 17. It says, when the wicked are multiplied, transgress, uh, yeah, 17, uh, transgresseth, increaseth. Uh, correct thy son, and he shall what? It's not fun correcting thy son. That rhymed somehow. It's not fun. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. Correct thy son. But he said, correct thy son. He shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. The Bible says there's no greater joy than knowing that your children walk in truth. There's no greater joy than to know your children love God. Uh, are y'all listening or falling asleep? I know you're listening. If you correct, he'll give you rest. If you leave him alone, he's going to give you trouble. And parenting, somebody once said that uh, cleaning your house while your kids are still growing is like shoveling the walk while it is still snowing. How I many know what I'm talking about? You got to, I mean, over the years, I've had to follow my kids. My wife says she has to follow me to pick stuff up after me. Sounds like a normal marriage. But you have to go behind them. They're, they're messy. They make mistakes. The, the mistake is not final. And when he was growing, you think Samuel was perfect child? Oh, no. He, he, he didn't want to brush his teeth. He didn't want to clean up after himself. But when she saw him, she saw him as great. And her correction was to establish him as what was supposed to be. She looked at him and said, this is going to be my man that's going to do something for God. And I think this is powerful because your children are going to grow up to be something. What are they going to be? What do I want? Oh, that little baby. What, what do I want them to be 20 years from now, 30 years from now? What, and I've got to make decisions now. I'm sorry, but you're not hanging out with them. Why? Because I don't want you to be like them. I'm sorry, but... I, 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 I'm sorry, but you, you, can't, you can't do that. You're not going to do, do that. You're not going there. And uh, uh, I didn't let my kids go to the mall and hang out. I didn't drop them off the mall and say, I'll be, back, I'll be back and get you in three hours. I never did that. And over the years, people stopped asking my kids to do things because they figured I'd probably say no. My kids would say, I just wish somebody would still invite us to go even though they know we can't go. It'd make us feel good if they still invite us to go hang out. But I'm not dropping my kids off at the mall for three hours because if you leave the sun to yourself, to themselves, you're going to lose rest over it. Are y'all with me? And there was times I'm sure Sam said, but mom, mom, <laughs> mom. <laughs> Boy, you can't be moved by those tears. Crocodile tears. They'll cause you to bend what you know in vision to do what they want now. But you've got to say no to their now because you've got a vision of tomorrow. Let the church say amen. amen. So here's, here's what I'm getting to. I'm getting ready to close. Just a few minutes. Everybody say the child Samuel ministered to the Lord. When it says there was no open vision and ere the lamp of God went out, look what it says in verse 3. And ere the lamp of God, of chapter 3, went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down. Look, there's, there's word of God is precious. There's no provision. The lamp of God went out. And uh, verse 3 of 1 Samuel 3. Look what it says.
And the child Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. Verse 3. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down. Everything is a mess, and Samuel's at rest. He's got a coat that's in his bedroom. He look up and smell, probably smell like mama's perfume. Had the coat that's in the bedroom, reminding him of what mom was when chaos is around him. What the, oh man, I want to be that parent. Anybody want to be that parent? Would you say amen if you want to be that parent? Amen. We've all made mistakes parenting. There's none of us perfect. We look back at our life and said, I wish I'd have done this. I wish I hadn't done that. And I'll tell you what I'm glad I did do was remain faithful. Faithful to my spouse. Faithful. Faithful to the house of God. Faithful to the Lord. Faithful to the children. Amen. But watch this. It says, and, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. He was asleep. Look at verse 4. It says that the Lord called Samuel and he answered. Here am I. He didn't know the Lord. This is the first time he's ever heard the voice of God. And the Lord called to Samuel and he answered, Here am I. Everybody say, Here am I. And uh, when he said, Here am I, he said, For, uh, and, and, and he ran unto Eli. This would have been the priest, the high priest, his pastor. He said, Here am I. Thou callest me. And he said, I didn't call you. He said, Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And uh, the Lord called yet again, Samuel. Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, hey, you're the priest, come here. Take your coat off and you, you just stay over there, stay over there. You, you're laid down to rest. It's in the middle of the night. And the boy, the boy gets up, wipes his eyes, wipe your eyes. He goes in and to the hallway. He must have been a living corridor there somewhere. They slept near the priest, but he went in and said, Eli, here am I. He said, I'm here. He said, I'm here. He said, I didn't call you. He said, go, go on, lay down. He, he goes back and he goes back to sleep. He goes back to sleep, it appears. And look what it says. And it says, um, he rose and went to Eli and said, Hear my, for the, thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not my son, lie down. Samuel did not yet know the Lord, verse 7. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. Isn't it interesting that the first time he heard his name called, he thought it was his pastor? Do you know the voice of the Lord does sound similar to the pastor's voice in your life? Come on now. That's what happened. He ran, hey, hey, hey. He said, here am I. And the Lord called Samuel again. Everybody said the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. He knew this was not my voice. This was God calling him. I want my children at some point to hear the voice of the Lord. That's the goal. I want them to live a life that God wants to call them, that God wants to use them. I want your children, every person in this building, that God wants to do something great. How many believe God wants to do something great in your children? I believe it. Every child in this building, every child, every teenager, every young man, I'm saying to the anchor church, we need to treat every child as if God's going to call them. Look what it says. I want you to look at your, your spouse beside you and say, God's going to call our children. It's going to be hard and tough to put them in that place, but God's going to call our children. And uh, anybody feel a witness of the Lord here today? How many feel that? Say amen. 
The Bible says, Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood and called as at other times. Samuel! 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 The same voice in the the garden said, Adam, where art thou? I think it's amazing when God calls our name. God is going to call your name today. I hear the voice of the Lord. I, I have taught this. This is the fourth week, but I feel such a heavy calling in this building. There is a call of God over your life. Do you believe that? Somebody say, Samuel! Samuel! When he says that, then Samuel answered, Speak! For thy servant heareth. He responded to the call of God based on how his pastor said to respond to the call of God. He said, when you hear it again, you say, Speak, Lord, thy servant. Speak, thy servant. Heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. And Samuel lay unto the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. That was his job. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. Everybody say, my son. And he answered and said, here am I. He said, what is the thing that the Lord has sent to thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to me, and more also if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every wit and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord, Samuel. You've heard from God. I know it's tough for me to hear, but let him do what seemeth him good. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. He was put in a place to be trained to hear and to learn the voice of the Lord. And what happened for years that brought, that brought no profit, no vision, no longer no light or illumination. In this boy, God's going to speak and he's going to be the hope to a nation. That's how I look at your children today. I don't see them as kids that's making scuffs on the wall. And, and uh, I don't see our school as a place just, just to give them mathematics and whatever. I look at this place as a place to train up a child in the way they should go so they can hear the voice of the Lord. I believe there's people in here that are going to reach nations, are going to reach communities. I really do. I believe there's young people. I believe there's some adults here today, young adults even. I believe that God's going to do marvelous things, but we need to be committed to the vision of our children that says, this is what I see my kid being. Is there anybody here today that has a vision for your future or your children's future? If you believe that, stand and clap your hands. Oh, I feel something moving. I feel something moving. I really do. I feel something moving. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All of you young people that are here, we're getting ready to go into praise and worship here in about 15 minutes. But listen, don't make it hard on your parents for them to parent you. 
Don't buck every time they tell you no. Don't, don't, don't give them a guilt trip and fake tears every time they say, you can't do that. You're not going there. You can't hang out there. Oh, but mom, don't do that. Get rid of the but mom questions, statements. And say, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I will do better. I'm sorry. Because in you, there's greatness. They're not trying to keep you from something. They're trying to get you to something. Can you say amen? Every now and then you ought to go to your mom and, and say, call her Hannah. And uh, uh, you need to go up and say, do I look all right? You think this is pleasing to the Lord? How's my character, Mom? Is my attitude okay? That's wisdom of a child that would do that. Watch this. Is there anything in my life that you would want to change or should change? Would you tell me I'll do it? I'm, I'm talking to Samuel right now. I'm not talking to the kid down the street. I'm talking to Samuel. Go to your mom or dad and say, how can I be a better kid? How can I be a better son? How can I be a better daughter? What would I need to do to be pleasing to the Lord? I don't know the Lord, but I want to know him because I know you know him. And one of these days, guess what's going to happen? You're going to know the God of your parents. And he's going to come to you in the wee hours of the morning and say, Samuel, Samuel, lift your hand to say, I want God to visit my house. That's what he's going to do. God's going to visit your house. The call of God is without repentance. Right now, he's calling you back to a place of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Why don't we take a moment and pray the transition. Come on, would you pray in the Holy Ghost right now? All over this building, I want my children to know the Lord. Come on, that's it. I want their conduct to be that of the prayer. Come on, Dad. Come on, Mom. Let tears run down your face for a minute thinking about the goodness of the Lord and the greatness that's going to be in their future. They're going to know God because you know God. Oh, that's it. Just take a moment. Let's transition this. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Let me feel conviction today. Can anybody feel the goodness of the Lord? Oh, would you clap your hands and thank Him for what we feel. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.